You are the government, they say. <laughs> are you sure about that? Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Term Limits Movement for the week of July 29, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. In a democracy, the people rule. If you don't like your representatives, vote them out. Voters get the government they deserve. These old adages are all true, but only if we have access to office, competitive elections, and rotation. If not, we have a permanent incumbent class of politicians tethered to the special interests that keep them cemented in office with little connection with the voters. U.S. Tournaments Executive Director Nick Tompolides has done some research on exactly how divorced Congress has become from the country they claim to represent. Hey, Nick. Hey, Phil. So with non-functioning elections, you know, without uh, rotation office, without competitive elections, there's no reason to expect that Congress would reflect our wishes or look like us or reflect our values or even um, who we are in any way. And uh, it doesn't, does it? No, not in the slightest. Um, I've done some research this week that has really been eye-opening for me. I wanted to chart the changes that have occurred in Congress over the last several decades. And um, the results were not surprising, but they were you know, very disheartening because the number of Congress members who identify as lifelong politicians has risen substantially in the last 40 years. So oh, yes. since the 1970s, this nonpartisan think tank in D.C. called the Brookings Institution, which actually happens to hate term limits, they've <laughs> kept pretty detailed data on the prior occupations of members of Congress, meaning what are you when you arrive in Congress? For example, John okay. Glenn, it would have said astronaut for him. Right. So in 1979, just 29 members of the U.S. House listed their prior occupation as professional politician. Not oh. too bad. By 2019, 40 years later, in this day and age, that number had risen to 171. Oh, that's... It's a 490% increase in the House. The Senate hasn't been much better. In 1979, just 15 senators identified themselves as professional politicians when they entered mm -hmm. federal government. Today, the number is 49. It's a 227% wow. Increase. Wow. So when it comes to professional diversity, getting leaders to come into Congress from different walks of life, uh, we are really getting the short end of the stick here. Uh, the Congress is pretty much dominated by professional politicians. Right. And it's during this same era in, that we saw, well, actually, during this entire era is the era of the unbeatable incumbent. Because it really started in earnest in the late 60s when an incumbent in this country in the Congress basically no longer could be defeated statistically. Um, and we quote that all the time. We usually round it off to 1970, although it actually started a little bit earlier, where since 1970, an incumbent running for their own seat in the U.S. House has won just shy of 95% of the time. And so that makes it pretty clear, if you want to be a professional politician, Congress is the place to be. Yeah, and, and by the way, uh, you know, it's not like once you cover the politicians, there's a lot of professional diversity after that. Lawyer is the second most well-represented profession. You've got 157 right. members of the House who identify as attorneys. There's some overlap with the politicians. And, um, you know, I was looking, I was looking at all the professions, and I realized there are 1.3 million lawyers in America. There are also 1.3 million accountants. But in Congress, mm -hmm. the ratio is a lot more lopsided. There are 14 lawyers for every accountant. That could explain why our tax code is 75,000 pages long, and it still doesn't raise right. enough money to avoid $22 trillion in debt. Right. 
Okay, well, that's shocking, and I guess that, well, hell, I don't know how shocking it is. I, uh, I watch this every day. In a nutshell, it's become basically a top-down, closed system. It's run by lifelong political insiders. And whenever you get new blood in the system, on those rare occasions you do get new blood, it gets quickly right. poisoned by the senior leaders because they dangle clout, they dangle the committee assignments, and they do that based oh, sure. on conformity. Um, as, mean, as we've discussed many times on this podcast, if um, just to be to get any influence in the Congress, you have to be there for 10 or 15 years or even more. So every single person that enters the Congress really becomes a professional politician. It's a requirement of the job under this system with seniority yeah. and without competitive elections and without you, rotation. Yeah, unlike most state legislators, you don't hold outside employment when you get to Congress. So even though between right. four, 40 and 50 percent of Congress are career politicians coming in, by the time they're in, 100 percent of them are. Today's common sense is Beto's best reform. All too often, politicians focus on their own re-election, says Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke at the expense of addressing the challenges our country faces. A supporter of term limits during his six years in Congress, in 2018, Beto left a safe house seat to challenge U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, also a term limits backer. In a very Republican state, Mr. O'Rourke fell just a smidgen short of an upset, catching a ton of national attention, leading to his current candidacy for the Democratic presidential nomination. His plan to revitalize the full potential of our democracy calls for 12-year congressional limits and 18-year limits on U.S. Supreme Court justices. Admittedly, both require amending the Constitution, but a president using his bully pulpit sure can help the effort. The issue of term limits in Congress has some bipartisan support, notes a BuzzFeed news story, but it starkly divides Democrats. The reporter is not talking about voters. A poll last year found a whopping 77% of Democratic voters favor establishing limits on the number of terms members of the U.S. Congress can serve. But as the BuzzFeed article explains, former Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and Senator Bernie Sanders all oppose instituting them for members of Congress. Not surprising. Both Sanders and Warren are incumbents with Sanders in Congress for the last 28 years and Warren in her second Senate term, while Biden spent 36 years in the Senate and eight more as vice president. Limit permanent incumbency, Beto's website states, to promote progress, reduce gridlock, and inspire more to run for office. While Democrat politicians may not be pleased, O'Rourke's term limit push will register with voters of all parties. This is Common Sense. I'm Paul Jacob. For more Common Sense, go to thisiscommonsense.com. A lot of people always ask us, how do you know term limits are going to work, right? It's like, how do you know? You're claiming this is a good idea. You know, it's never (laughs) been done in Congress before. How do you know it's going to work? Well, we know it because the impact's already been measured at the state level. 
in oh, in those right. in those states where they have gotten rid of professional politicians, it was found that legislative term limits resulted in um, more responsible spending. And overall, the states that have term limits do much better in terms of fiscal health. So we right. think term limits, it would probably have an even stronger impact at the federal level where the legislators are more professional, more entrenched, and more full-time than their state counterparts. But we're not just going into this blind. We know it's going to be a success because it's already worked at the state level. That is right. And one thing I'd look at is you look at states that have full-time legislatures and that have large paychecks that come along with that, that are more like Congress, basically. When you look at the percentage of professional politicians in those states, it isn't 6%, like in the tournament states, or 13% in the non-tournament states overall. But let's look at states like Pennsylvania, where 48% of the state legislature are professional politicians. Delaware with 31, Illinois with 36, New York with 41%. Term limits would revolutionize the way that these states are run, um, and certainly we've seen that in the term limited states. I want to see it in Congress. Right. Most of the people who have made a name for themselves in a different uh, industry, uh, you know, who have, for example, started a business, if they don't have a desire, a personal burning desire to become permanently wedded to politics, to become a career politician, they're going to choose not to run at all. Because the prospect of leaving behind a real career or go to Washington and kiss somebody's ring, it's not going to be an appetizing prospect. So on the question of term limits, you have to consider not just what the status quo does to the politicians who won't leave, but also to the great people who decide not to run. Nick, we have another Democrat running for president of the United States. What, how many is that now? I don't know, but it really would be easier to just list the ones who aren't running. At this point. (laughs) Right, sure. That would be a much shorter list. (laughs) Well, this new one is a very interesting one that I want to discuss with you. Tom Steyer, all right, billionaire, so you can't ignore him. Hedge fund manager is very successful in business, um, definitely from the progressive side of the aisle, and a big proponent of term limits. Right. I'm vaguely familiar with him. I know he's a hedge fund guy. He's been a mega donor for for many years. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And if anyone with pockets that deep has to be viewed as a serious contender for the nomination, because so much of our politics these days is driven by the amount of money money you can spend on a campaign, he might not be that well known now, but he can change that in a hurry based on the uh, the resources he has. And he's he's pledged to spend them. I mean, he um, he was quoted in The New York Times that he was willing to put one hundred million dollars, hundred million dollars. Wow, what a waste. Anyway, $100 million <laughs> into a campaign. Now, that's half. That's about half, it's, I guess, of what Hillary Clinton spent in the 2016 elections. Yeah, it's only a waste if you lose. Um, and he, oh, well. he, he, he may be on our side. I just want to remind our audience, we're not on his side. We're not on anybody's side except for yeah. term limits. This is a single issue broadcast. But it's great to see leaders on both sides of the aisle embracing this issue because what that means for our future prospects of getting this amendment passed is that we can build a broad coalition of Republicans, Democrats, independents, libertarians to come together and force the state's hand, force Congress's hand to get this amendment proposed. So anytime someone with a pulpit like Tom Steyer comes out and pitches term limits, that is a very positive development. Boy, it sure is. You know, he had... Um, he was sort of chided by the Times also as having um, a couple of signature issues in his lifetime. And, you know, of course, he's very closely associated with climate change, and he's given an enormous amount of money to climate change organizations. And he's also part of the uh, uh, impetus for the attempt to impeach President Trump. 
and he's spent a lot of money on that, including national TV commercials and that. But now he's sort of moving on to cleaning up government and draining the swamp, much almost a Trumpian message from, a, from the progressive side. But the cornerstone of that is something that he spoke about in his latest television commercial, which is focused on term limits. Let's hear it. Congress is broken. We need to make sure our representatives put the interest of their own constituents ahead of the lobbyists and corporations. That's why I'm proposing congressional term limits of 12 total years in the House and Senate. This change will allow elected officials to focus on doing what's right instead of what they need to do to get reelected. It will create a legislature that reflects the people, not corporations. Term limits will also infuse Congress with fresh ideas and a new, more diverse leadership. If we want legislators to pass common sense reforms to address gun violence, climate change, and unaffordable health care, we must fix the broken political system that's failed Americans for too long. Learn more by visiting TomSteyer.com. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's he, pretty good. With the exception of uh, Donald Trump and Bill Weld, a 12-year overall term limit is the strongest we've heard proposed yet by any presidential candidate. Certainly the strongest we've heard on the Democratic side. Um, yeah. You know, we've, we've heard other candidates have suggested 12 years in the House, 12 years in the Senate. We don't think that would be effective um, no. at generating the types of rotation and turnover you would need to really shake up the system and rattle some cages. 12 overall is is not ideal, but it's pretty yeah. solid. It's a, not yeah. a terrible approximation of what we're trying to do here. Let's hope there's a robust uh, debate on this when the Democrats hit the debate stage tomorrow. Tom Steyer won't yeah. be there, um, but his presence looms large, and I feel the other candidates might be forced to respond to that. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. Some states have odd-year elections for state legislature. New Jersey, Louisiana, Virginia, and Mississippi all have odd-year elections. We asked the candidates in these races to sign a pledge to help us put term limits on Congress. The pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. We now have 34 candidates for Mississippi House and 20 candidates for Mississippi State Senate who have pledged to support congressional term limits. The Mississippi primary is August 6, 2019. Nationwide, over 140 state legislators and candidate for state legislator have signed in 2019. If you have access to a candidate, please ask them to sign our pledge. Pledges are available at termlimits.com. Hi, this is Stacy with U.S. Term Limits bringing you today's Letter to the Editor segment. This week, we have the opinion of Terry Dempsey from Grayson, Georgia as published in the Wall Street Journal on July 24th. It's entitled, Identity Politics and Conflict in Washington. Dempsey writes, regarding your editorial, Pelosi's Glass House, published July 17th, it is shocking how utterly fast the U.S. House of Representatives was able to muster itself to pass a condemnation resolution on July 16 regarding the president's tweets made not even two days earlier. Congress doesn't even work most Mondays. This proves that, when it wants to, it can rapidly get something done. I can think of scores of things that Congress needs to get done just as quickly. Let's start with the normal appropriation bills, debt limits, border security, and 
immigration system overhaul. Don't forget that the honorable members are working on a pay raise for themselves. This type of action by the House is part of the reason that a great portion of the American electorate holds Congress in contempt and the vast majority of Americans are in favor of term limits. Signed, Terry Dempsey, Grayson, Georgia. Thanks, Terry, for taking the time to write the Wall Street Journal with why you feel term limits are so important. Do you have an opinion on term limits that you would like to share with the world? Why not write a letter to your local newspaper telling them why you think term limits on Congress is such a good idea? If published, we may read it on the No Uncertain Terms podcast. Pivoting to action in the states, when Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah retired in January um, Mm -hmm. after 42 years in the Senate, he was actually the sixth longest serving senator of all time. Um, Remember, Orrin Hatch originally ran on term limits in 1976. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the irony, irony, oh, is not, irony is not lost on anyone, certainly not lost yeah. on the people of Utah, because um, there has been a new ballot initiative proposed in Utah to impose term limits on elected officials there. They're sick and tired of career politicians. The Utah United Party, which characterizes itself as a a moderate centrist alternative to the Republicans and the Democrats, Mm -hmm. submitted a ballot application Monday uh, that would put a 12-year term limit on state legislators and an eight-year term limit on executive offices like the governor and attorney general. What do you make of that, Phil? Well, it's exciting. You know, they've had a rocky history with this issue in Utah. Of course, Utahns have always supported the idea, like people do everywhere else. And so it's great to see this idea revived, because if you recall, back in 1994, there was a uh, race between the citizens who were trying to put initiative on the ballot to term limit their legislators, and actually their congressmen, too, and the state legislature, which uh, put a referendum on the ballot uh, to term limit the legislators. Now, why is this a race? Well, because, you know, the people wanted to have a shorter limit. And so the politicians wanted to put a referendum on the ballot that had a longer limit. So they put a 12-year term limit um, on the ballot. It passed overwhelmingly in Utah, of course, back in 1994. And then when right when it was about to go into effect, oh, it was easy for the uh, legislature to simply repeal the term limit before it went into effect. And it was a very frustrating, hypocritical stab in the back to the voters of that state. And it's left a nasty feeling um, uh, since that time. Well, the idea is being revived. It's going to be a citizen's initiative. This new party, which was founded in 2017, basically on the issue of cleaning up government, um, is going to put it on the ballot. I have no doubt that if it gets on the ballot, it'll win overwhelmingly. I'm a little disappointed it's still 12-year term limits, although at the same time, it does impose a serious term limit on the governor and basically most of the cabinet. You know, lieutenant governor, like you said, the attorney general. So I'm I'm excited about it. I think it's um, it's a great effort. This party's pretty serious. It's a third party, and they've only had two candidates on the ballot so far, but they were for Congress, and both times they got about 10% of the vote. They've got some big shots involved that helped set it up. It was founded by a political science professor from Brigham Young University, but its primary candidate and probably benefactor, too, is Jim Bennett, the son of uh, former U.S. Senator Bob Bennett. And so it's got a lot of play. And of course, even if they can't win an election in a two-party system, they can certainly put a referendum on the ballot and give the people their say on this issue. And so I'm excited about it. 
yeah, it, it definitely is exciting. And um, you can't really ignore the backdrop against which this is happening, because in the last few legislative sessions in Utah, the state legislature has considered the term limits convention bill. Um, right. It's gotten through the Utah House twice, uh, but the Senate has not budged. The Senate has refused to move uh, term limits for Congress. So I have to I have to think this could possibly be related to that, um, that it citizens are frustrated that Utah lawmakers won't take action on term limits for Congress. So now they've decided to impose term limits on the Utah legislature. Um, right. And I it, think it makes that sense. I- it's, a, it's almost like a severe punishment for not doing your yeah. job. Absolutely. In fact, I'd love the synergy here because you're right. I think the efforts that we've had in the Capitol trying to push the term limits convention, which has been half successful uh, more than one occasion, would help give power to this movement to put term limits on the back on the ballot. And a successful ballot measure here would, of course, give us more leverage in going back to the Capitol and trying to get the term limits convention bill passed again. So this idea of the citizens in Utah getting excited about this issue again and taking action can only help on our national effort to turn them at the U.S. Congress. Fantastic. Very good news. If you want to help out, uh, the place to go, I think, may probably to sign a petition or at least to find out where to get one, unitefortermlimits.org. That's a number four in there. Unitefortermlimits.org. Because you are. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. We can reclaim our constitutional power to choose our own representatives, but it's going to take a lot of hard work. Can you help? A good place to start is to tune in to the U.S. Tournament's volunteer webinar to be held Tuesday, July 30th from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Register for the call at tournaments.com forward slash volunteer webinar or look under the Take Action tab at termlimits.com. Once you register, you'll receive an email with the login credentials for the call. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast.